Hello, my tech enthusiasts. Welcome back to your favorite weekly tech talk, Q in Charge. I'm Joe the Q, here to navigate the ever-evolving world of technology with you. So we are a bit behind, so my sincere apology to you, my esteemed listeners, but we just got overwhelmed with emails and requests, so it took some time to identify what should we talk about in this episode. So um, we will honor your request that had the most interest in the uncertainty. We have done some research, and also Q charges deep into this topic. So we thought it would be great to bring some clarity as much as we can. Uh, so what are we talking about today? Suspense time. <laughs> today, we're talking about government incentives and how they are helping this electrification path. The new guidance makes EV charging incentives widely available. And we will talk today about this mysterious tax incentive 30C. So uh, what is that? How can we know do we qualify for it? In which way is this to be done? A lot of questions around this topic and confusion, even among the companies that are already deep into this industry. Well, we will try to bring some light to it. Everybody is still awaiting clarity around another key aspect of the tax credit, without which project financials will have constraints and will have difficulty in fast track of expansion. An announcement by the Biden administration has cleared up which parts of the country can access lucrative tax credits for installing electric vehicle chargers. If you look at the map, it will most certainly give the impression that the whole country is legible, but zoom in and go to the urban areas and you will find it is not also green on that map, at least not in densely populated areas. There are a lot of limitations. Now it needs to clear up exactly which parts of an EV charging installation are eligible for the credit otherwise the incentive program could fail to generate interest from project developers who need financial certainty before moving ahead with costly charger installations. This is crucial, guys, and let me tell you why, and then we move on. Well, all these developers or EV network providers need first to be sure that the property that they are working on qualifies under these incentives since they have to first invest and finalize the projects before and then next year during the tax period, you can get those qualifying tax credits back. That way, reduce your initial cost already in the first year. And with good utilization rate investment can be paid out in two to three years. If you look into this business on longevity, then you are spot on. That's the feedback from environmental groups and EV charging companies on the Treasury Department's new guidance on the Inflation Reduction Act's 30C tax credit. Now. Let's continue with some details on this incentive. As tax credits for electric vehicles, buses, trucks, and other emissions-free vehicles are in place to offset the costs of switching from fossil fuel to battery electric vehicles, the 30C tax credit is mainly to defray the cost of installing equipment to charge them. The 30C credit, officially known as the Alternative Fuel Vehicle Refueling Property Credit, is available to individual consumers trying to cut the cost of home charging, as well as to corporate and government entities building megawatt-scale charging hubs for large company fleets, school buses, heavy-duty trucks, and highway rest stops. Eligible commercial and institutional projects can receive a tax credit of up to 30% of the cost of each charger up to $100,000 and residential installations can receive 30% of the cost of a charger up to $1,000. Now, don't forget that there are also local rebates that you can add with the tax credit, which will reduce your initial investment by an additional 
or the proposed dollar amount as a cap proposed by the local entities that are running the programs. Um, so folks, make sure to ask about those too. Thanks to the new guidance, these incentives are available across much of the country, and they could play a big role in reducing pollution from the transportation sector, which accounts for the single largest source of U.S. climate warming emissions. The Biden administration would like that EVs make up half of all new passenger vehicle sales by 2030. Now, is this doable? In my opinion, it is. But the funds that the government is offering need to be easier to access, or I guarantee that this will not take place as predicted. Federal and state policies are targeting the electrification of larger vehicles, such as school buses and trucks, which account for an outsized share of transport emissions. One of the biggest barriers to hitting those goals has been the scarcity of EV charging, dependability, and affordability. The auto and truck manufacturers aren't saying they can't make great zero emissions vehicles. They're saying they're worried there aren't enough plugs out there, said one of the OM auto manufacturers. I can't remember on top of my head his name, so I apologize for it. Now, new guidance around the geographic scope of the 30C tax credits is an important step toward getting more chargers built, but further clarity is needed to unleash the incentive's full value and why the clarity is needed. Have you ever read the official documents for all this? They are all but clear, so confusing, and in some instances conflicting with the statements on it. So yeah, we need this to be easier to understand and hire better people who are making the proposals for RFP and bid writers so that they can understand it and the compliance is diverse depending on the state. Why don't we make unified policies so that the entire U.S. can have the same rules instead of figuring out per each state what to do and how to do it. This is great, but at the same time, ridiculous in how they structured it. It is complete chaos and a wonder that people find it difficult to adopt and change their mindset. Uh, so what has been solved so far? Which parts of the country can get tax credits for EV charging and which do not? The Department of Energy released the map along with guidance that makes clear how the Treasury has interpreted the law's geographic restrictions which limit the credit to non-urban and low-income census tracts. Only a handful of higher-income urban census tracts are excluded from eligibility. The vast majority of the country is designated as green for non-urban areas or orange for low-income areas. For this information in the 30C map locator, you can find it on the DOE website. Uh, simply type your address and see under which category the incentives your property qualifies. There are currently three options you can fall under with exempting of the white area that does not qualify, but it can still qualify under the local rebate programs per state and city. Uh, still, the Treasury Department estimates that its guidance will allow the 30C tax credit to be used in areas where about two-thirds of the U.S. population now live. That figure could have been a lot lower, and that's because the law's restrictions don't precisely match how the U.S. Census Bureau designates areas as urban or rural, giving the treasury-wide latitude to determine the scope. The Natural Resources Defense Council was part of a coalition comprising environmental, community, business, and labor groups that provided analysis and asked the Treasury Department to adopt the inclusive standard it ultimately went with. Let's explain some of these divisions on this DOE map. 
Rural and low-income communities are tougher targets for EV charging companies because fewer EV owners live in them, making it harder to justify the cost of building chargers that won't be used as often. That having a clear understanding of where those projects can or can't get tax credits helps plan which areas to build in, but we need to think a bit differently. What about providing long-distance EV support that falls into rural and less populated areas? but we still need charging stations even in the middle of nowhere. Will their utilization be good? Probably not, but we still need that support. And for those reasons, we need better support from the government. Let me quote here quickly a statement from a Q-Charge company CEO. We are at this point sure that over half of our coming sites are eligible to receive the credit based on their locations, said Sergey Morovich. CEO of Q-Charge networking provider based out of Dallas, Texas. However, they are even difficult for us to understand all the language that goes for 30C tax incentives, and even the local rebates are sometimes very difficult to have clarity on them, said Sergey. One question that hasn't been answered yet is precisely what equipment associated with EV charging installations will be eligible for the tax credit. Here's the thing we're still waiting on. Is the equipment eligibility or more specifically to be said, what is defined as a single item of property. The Inflation Reduction Act altered existing EV charging tax credits that used to apply to an entire charging site. The updated version allows the credit to be claimed on a per charger basis. This way is a lot more valuable since a single site can have more chargers and now can each charger earn a tax credit to offset its expense. At the same time, charging sites also have a lot of shared equipment such as power conduits, switchgear, transformers, enclosures, and networking devices. But there are still questions of whether it will cover just the charger or additional cost to installation like upgrading power infrastructure that in most of the cases in this industry will be needed. This uncertainty is a significant problem for EV charging network developers trying to use the 30C credits to finance projects, and in the absence of clarity on the definition of a single item, it is difficult to appropriately scope what's included for 30C purposes. It's uh, particularly challenging for developers looking to turn their credits into capital via new financing mechanism known as tax credit transferability. The Inflation Reduction Act provision allows many clean energy developers to maximize the value of tax credits associated with their projects by selling them to companies seeking to reduce their federal tax liability. But without clear rules for what parts of an EV charging investment are eligible for the credit, for developers it's difficult to confidently speak to buyers on how much in credits we will have to sell or we will be eligible. All of this is creating a roadblock in front of tax credit transactions related to EV charging. Several companies are actively trading clean energy tax credits under the Inflation Reduction Act's new tax credit transferability rules. Okay, here's how I see it or most of the peeps in this industry. Our understanding is that there hasn't yet been a, a single 30C credit transaction closed given the uncertainty sellers and buyers are talking, but there are big gaps in the amount of credits that the sellers want to assume and what buyers are willing to underwrite until the full guidance comes out. This may not be a problem for EV owners seeking the tax credit for residential chargers. However, it's a significant barrier to large-scale commercial and institutional charging projects 
which rely on this financing mechanism to access the full value of the tax credits their projects generate. Highway charging is one such area. The 2021 Bipartisan Infrastructure Law passed by Congress directs $7.5 billion in grants to EV charging. But the IRA's new 30% tax credit for chargers is likely to end up directing even more money to charge. How The time will show if this will surpass the 2021 Bipartisan Law. Electrifying freight corridors between ports and inland warehouses is another key target for charging. Those corridors suffer some of the worst diesel air pollution in the country. Many of the school districts buying electric school buses are also eligible to seek tax credits for the chargers they install as direct payments from the federal government under the direct pay provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act. While school districts tapping into $5 billion in federal grants and rebates for electric school buses and charging equipment can't claim the credit for expenses covered by federal grants, they can claim it for any charger costs that exceed those grants. That makes 30C an important tool to help school districts that are most in need of cleaning, running, tailpipe emission-free electric school buses, and not only for them, but also for public bus transportation. But without a rule on which parts of a charging installation are eligible, it's not clear how quickly these projects will be able to make use of the value the 30C credits could provide. The Treasury Department has to solve how to put the 30C credit to work and find better solutions to move this faster than it is now, especially if we want to achieve the 2030 EV agenda. While the department hasn't said when it expects to complete this work, we expect it will be in the next few months or so to see some changes to take effect. But let's remember, this tax credit goes through 2032, so we have some time to figure that out. Do not forget to visit www.qcharge123.com. We suggest you simply download their app today. Q Charge, powering your journey one charge at a time. That wraps up our journey through 30C tax incentives. And we hope that we give you a better understanding of your own ventures and tap into the electrification of your life. It's been an electrifying episode, and I hope you found it as fascinating as I did. The world of technology is ever changing, and we're here to keep you updated every step of the way. Don't forget to subscribe to Q in Charge for your weekly dose of tech news and insights. This is Joe the Q signing off. Stay curious, embrace the future, and keep innovating.